You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. So a few weeks ago, the National High School Journalism Conference was in Seattle, and they asked me to do them a solid and to show up and speak, which I did for free. Usually when I show up somewhere and speak, you got to pay my faggot ass to walk in the door. Uh, but student journalists and right down the street from my offices in Seattle, how could I say no? So I said yes. And I gave a speech to roughly 3,000 high school journalists that roughly 22 walked out of when I began to talk about the Bible. Specifically, when I began to talk about the bullshit in the Bible, this was not a speech to a Christian high school, as some have claimed, and it was not a mass walkout, as others have claimed. 22 kids left out of nearly 3,000, and the 3,000 who stayed behind were not Zoroastrians. They were mostly overwhelmingly Christian, uh, but 22 walked out because they didn't like when I began to talk about the, the, the role that religion has to play in the bullying of LGBT kids, specifically the role that the anti-gay Christian right has played in creating a climate where LGBT kids are bullied. Uh, the conference was called Journalism on the Edge, and students who attended had to have signed parental releases, and they were warned that I would, in my speech, touch on taboo topics. And I asked the uh, organizers when I showed up if I needed to pull any punches because it was a high school crowd and they told me that I did not need to pull any punches and I could just be myself, which I did. Uh, and I'm proud of uh, the fact that I was myself when I talked about the bullshit in the Bible. Not so proud of the fact that after some kids walked out and I was done with my commentary about religion and Christianity in the Bible, uh, I described their leaving as a pansy-ass move. And I apologize for that. That was name-calling. Uh, and it was wrong, and I have apologized. But I haven't apologized, and I will not apologize for what I said about the Bible. And here it is, roughly. We can learn to ignore the bullshit in the Bible about gay people the same way we have learned to ignore the bullshit in the Bible about clams and farming and menstruation and fabric and adultery and masturbation and divorce and slavery. Uh, Sam Harris, in his book, Letter to a Christian Nation, points out that the Bible got slavery wrong. The easiest moral question humanity has ever faced, the Bible got wrong. And my point is, you know, if the Bible got the easiest moral question humanity has ever faced wrong, slavery, what are the odds it got something as complicated as human sexuality wrong? I would put them at about 100,000%. And this is the unsayable thing. You're not allowed to challenge Christians who cite the Old Testament uh, and the New to justify their anti-gay bigotry about all the other things in the Bible that they ignore, they gloss over. Uh, they tell you when you talk about you know, gay marriage, talk about gay rights, you talk about the rights of gay children, they tell you they have no choice. They have to oppose civil equality for LGBT people. They have to oppose gay marriage. They have to oppose the introduction of anti-bullying programs in the schools that address anti-gay bullying because – the Bible. And yet they don't support slavery because the Bible. They won't even acknowledge what the Bible actually says. Some people have written me to tell me that, oh, I got it all wrong. You know, I was citing the Old Testament when I talked about Deuteronomy and there's no slavery in the New Testament. 
Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. I'm really sorry that I'm doing this to my regular listeners, but I kind of got to get it off my chest. Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. Paul later writes, slaves obey your masters. Again, they hammer away at this in the New Testament. Uh, The Old Testament says that, and I cited this in my speech, that if a woman is not a virgin on her wedding night, she should be dragged to her father's doorstep and stoned to death. And there is no movement in the United States to make it legal to drag, say, Callista Gingrich to her father's doorstep and stone her to death or attempt to. I'm sure the rocks would bounce right off that air. And my, you know, I'd like to know why not. And some people say, oh, that's Old Testament Deuteronomy. But you know what else is Old Testament? A man should not lie with a man as he would lie with a woman. They have both committed an abomination. They should be put to death. Old Testament. We hear that passage all the time. You know what else is Old Testament? Sodom and Gomorrah. Pretty fucking Old Testament. Genesis, Old Testament. We hear it all that they call us fucking Sodomites. So it's really unfair for them to say, I'm not allowed to look to the Old Testament when the bigots are mining the Old Testament. I'm not allowed to confront them with the bullshit in the Bible that they choose to ignore while they are beating me to death, beating my community to death with these other passages in the Bible. What's, of course, being batted around out there is that I bullied these 22 students who had to walk out of the uh, speech. Um, I'm not going to offer a defense of myself. I'm just going to read some things that have been written. The Economist, the famous Economist magazine, writes... However poorly Mr. Savage may have been treated in high school, it was not by the students in the audience and they deserved more from a famous and accomplished journalist than derision. Okay, we're going to pause there for a second because journalists get mad when people call me a journalist. So I want to apologize for that on behalf of The Economist. I never call myself a journalist. Going on, Mr. Savage acknowledged as much when he apologized for the regrettable and infantile slur pansy asked. Uh, And I did. And I meant it. And I, I mean it sincerely. He could, of course, have opted to make a broader point that nobody should be so quick to take offense, that journalists will hear a lot of things over the course of a career that they find offensive and even hurtful. And walking out anytime that happens will result in a short career and a narrow mind. The Economist. Adam Lee at The Big Think writes... For the professionally confused, let's clarify some things. Bullying is a form of emotional abuse which takes the form of targeted coercion, harassment, intimidation, and violence against people who lack power to fight back. Mr. Savage has no special power over the people at his talk. They weren't a captive audience, and his speech neither coerced Christians to do anything, nor harassed or intimidated them, nor called for any violence. It was, again, a criticism of bad ideas in a book they claimed to believe in. When Christian teenagers are committing suicide in despair over being bullied by atheists and atheist school administrators are fighting efforts to do something about it, or when gay advocates are counseling parents to beat their children until they renounce Christianity, then these Christians will have a valid complaint, but obviously nothing like this has happened. Nobody was bullied at my speech. Some people were upset by it, upset by pansyast, which was wrong and which I've apologized for. But more to the point, upset by bullshit in the Bible, which is being spun everywhere as an attack on Christianity. I want to read a little bit from one of my favorite authors, Mark Twain, on the Bible. It is full of interest. It has noble poetry in it and some clever fables and some blood-drenched history and some good morals and a wealth of obscenity and upwards of a thousand lies. I am not guilty of saying anything that hasn't been said before. And yes, of course, when Mark Twain says it's said much better. What is bullshit 
in the way I used it, but upwards of a thousand lies in modern American English. The folks who claim that I've attacked Christianity or somehow misrepresented or misused the Bible are lying. There are untrue things in the Bible and the Quran and the Book of Mormon and the Yellow Pages and every other sacred text out there. And you don't have to take my word for it. All you have to do is look at all the biblical shoulds, shall nots and abominations that religious conservatives already choose to ignore. That'll help you spot the bullshit in the Bible. That makes it clear that not everything in the Bible is true. All Christians read their Bibles selectively. Some read it hypocritically. I wasn't attacking Christianity at that speech. I was attacking hypocrisy. And the hypocrites, they get really angry when anyone has the nerve to point that out. One of those hypocrites, Brian Brown, head of the National Organization for Marriage, has challenged me to a debate. I get to name the time and the place. Uh, tempted to name the back of a bathhouse at 4 o'clock in the morning on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, but I won't. Uh, but I get to name the time and the place, and I've accepted Brian Brown, head of Nom's challenge. You're on, motherfucker. I will name a time and a place, Nom Nuts, and we will debate. I am looking forward to it. I hope also to tape it, parts of it, if not all of it, for the podcast and share it all with you. Maybe as a special bonus extra podcast, not taking the place of your usual uh, sex Q&A-a-thon here at the Savage Lovecast. Your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Just go to AdamandEve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Jan. I'm a 21-year-old straight male, and I started dating this girl about two months ago. Um, and about a month ago... She let me know that she had been a working girl for a while. And, you know, that's, I was okay with it. Like, it's something that we've kind of been cool with. You know, we both had sort of sorted histories, but it's just, it's, it's been sort of weird for our sex lives because it's kind of hurt my confidence a little bit, never really knowing what's real or not after she let me know that. And, I mean, we've talked about it, and it's it's just hard to really be completely honest about how I feel about it, how much I'm worried about it. Uh, do you have any suggestions on possibly how to talk to her about that kind of thing, about being really open? It seems to me that your hang-up is uh, about the performance aspect of being a sex worker, that she would have sex with men that she wasn't attracted to and pretend that she was enjoying it. Maybe pretend that she had orgasms, but she would fake it. The whole thing was faked. Uh, there are, of course, I'll hear from, there are some sex workers out there who really enjoy their jobs. Many, some of them have clients in particular that they enjoy and they're not faking it. But for most sex workers, and I've known sex workers, I have friends who are sex workers, uh, there's a great deal of master bait piece theater going on uh, during a during a session with a client. And, and that sounds like what it's eating away at you. That how, do you, how can you trust that you know, the feedback you're getting from her in the moment sexually isn't just a show because she put that show on for her clients? You know, everybody potentially can put a show on for anybody whether or not they've ever done sex work before. And there's always some aspect of performance uh, in, in a sexual encounter. There will be times when you know, you're with somebody and you're having sex and you're enjoying yourself and then you suddenly – kind of are pulled out of the moment by, you know, some creepy thought, by a, you know, a touch that was unwelcome, but you don't want to stop things, so you don't mention it, you just kind of maneuver. And for a moment, you're just really not present. You're kind of not 
in the groove anymore. You're not enjoying yourself. But what's coming out of your mouth or going in your mouth, what's coming out of your mouth is, oh, yeah, baby, you're still keeping it up. You're, you're, you're performing. So there's nothing about your girlfriend having been a sex worker uh, or having a girlfriend that was never a sex worker that's going to protect you from the lies that you're worried about, the, the being with somebody who's faking it, being with somebody who's pretending that they like fucking you when maybe they don't. Uh, what I think you need to do is talk to your girlfriend about the sex work that she did. Ask her what kind it was. Be very neutral and flat and non-accusatory but honest about your insecurities and address it directly. You know, I sometimes worry that because you were, you know, doing masterpiece theater sex for other men that you might be doing that with me. And then what she's going to tell you is, no, I like it with you. I love it with you. La, la, la. And at a certain point, you're going to have to suspend your insecurities, like suspending your disbelief at the movies. Suspend your insecurities and and bat them out of your own head when they rise up. But, you know, she can't fix this for you. You can get one big reassuring dump from her, one big reassuring download about the fact that she really digs having sex with you and she's not faking anything and it's awesome. And then when you feel these bullshit relationship potentially threatening feelings rise up in you during sex, it's your responsibility to play that tape in your head of her saying those things. You can't go back at her again and again and again asking for the same reassurance because all that's going to do is make her feel hounded and guilty and shamed about what she did uh, to support herself about having done sex work. So you ask for it once, get it in a big heartfelt way uh, and then the next time you feel those insecurities rise up, hit rewind, play the tape, suck it up. Hi, Dan Savage. I have just left an appointment with the man who hires me about once a month to dress up as a superhero and sort of like role play and wrestle with him. We don't have sex. He gave me 300 bucks a pop. Um, the reason I'm calling is because I have a boyfriend and we've been together for about six months and I, I was, he, I sort of met him in the, in the middle of enjoying my slutty phase and not really thinking it would turn into anything serious. So I, I didn't stop seeing this client guy and I didn't tell him about it and I'm still seeing him and it's not like a ton of money, but it makes it a lot easier for a student. And I, I'm just wondering, like, do I need to tell the boyfriend? My conscience isn't screaming at me too loudly about it, but my conscience never screams at me. So maybe your conscience has something to say about this. And maybe like, he's fast turning into the most serious boyfriend I've ever had. And if I end up marrying him or something, do I have to tell him in like five years that I used to do this? Do I have to stop now? Uh, what, what, what's my responsibility? In the print edition of Savage Love just the other day, I gave some advice to a guy who's into ball busting and he's into a particular kind of ball busting. That's getting kicked or slapped in the nuts, which is a little dangerous. Please be careful, uh, though I really doubt that anybody who isn't into ball busting is going to hear me describe ball busting and then suddenly decide they want to do that. You're either in having your balls punched or you're not. Uh, but he likes to have his balls punched. He's a straight guy. Likes to have his balls kicked or punched, busted by other men. That turns him on. Nothing about gay sex turns him on. He doesn't want to kiss dudes. He doesn't want to suck dick. He doesn't want to get fucked in the ass. He doesn't want to fuck anybody in the ass. He doesn't want a boyfriend. But he is obsessed with about six times a year, every couple of months, uh, hooking up online with some strange man and getting his nuts kicked. And I told him – and he had a girlfriend and she didn't know anything about this. And I told him that he could justify doing this without telling his girlfriend about it. Uh, it puts her at absolutely no risk whatsoever. You know, if you're coupled, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have any right to any sort of inner private erotic life or even maybe experience that it's better uh, to disclose. It's better to be honest. 
but he could certainly rationalize not disclosing this to a girlfriend. In part, I think, because it would be really hard for a lot of girlfriends to wrap their heads around uh, a guy who's straight but has this one sort of erotic, buzzy thing that he enjoys doing exclusively with men. And the guy had mentioned that he had tried it with women. It didn't work for him with women at all. Your call made me think of that advice, made me think of that situation because you were doing this thing uh, where all you're doing is putting on a superhero costume and wrestling for money with some guy. It's a, it is sex work of the fully clothed, extremely low-risk kind, but you are providing an erotic service. So it is sex work. Uh, and do you need to tell your boyfriend? Well, it puts your boyfriend at absolutely no risk. You can justify not telling your boyfriend, this person that you are now serious about in the beginning that you weren't serious about. But I think it is better, just as with the ball-busting dude, it is better to err on the side of disclosure and honesty in those difficult conversations. Uh, and, and in your case, even more so because this kind of secret is like a sort of Damocles hanging over your head. You may think that this part of your life is so walled off from your relationship that there's no way your boyfriend could ever find out. And a few years could go by and then it could all come tumbling out because your boyfriend finds an old email account because your boyfriend through some crazy set of circumstances ends up meeting the person. Maybe the guy took has taken pictures, uh, even perhaps surreptitiously taken pictures that you don't know about. Those wind up online. You can just game out in a lot of ways, circumstances where all of this could come tumbling out. I think it would be better and better for you to disclose, to tell your boyfriend. And you can tell him, you know, when we first started dating, uh, I didn't tell you this because it, it seemed really casual and it was a casual thing, not a deposition. And so I wasn't going to just like throw this out. But, you know, we're getting serious about each other. I think you should know this. Every once in a while, I put on a superhero costume and the guy pays me a couple hundred bucks to wrestle. That's it. Uh, and then – See how he reacts. If this is something that he can live with or he's into or he isn't shocked by, well, then you guys are simpatico, not just sexually but kind of intellectually, emotionally. It may be a good way, a good litmus test. You know, you are who you are and the person that you are does this sort of thing. And I think you're doing God's work because there's somebody out there with a really particular and peculiar fetish and you're helping him get his needs met and he's helping you out with some – cash for school. Everybody wins. And this is a way for you to make sure that your boyfriend, uh, this person that you're getting serious about, is right for you. Because wouldn't you want to be with somebody who could see that for what it is, for, who can see it the way you see it? It'll be a good way for you to learn about him, not just for him to learn about you, but for you to learn about him and what his values are sexually. And you want somebody where you're roughly on the same page. And it may, you know, cause a fight. It may take him a little while to wrap his head around it. Uh, he will weigh, if he's shocked by this, shocked that you're doing sex work, he will weigh his feelings about you now and the person that he knows you to be against this thing that uh, because of the way he was raised or the sex-negative culture in which we're all raised, he regards as scandalous or in conflict somehow with the person that he knows you to be. Uh, you may ultimately win that assessment, that that weighing, and he may realize that there's nothing about what you're doing that in any way conflicts with the lovable person that he knows you to be. But withholding it and then when it comes out, then it's not just the issue of the sort of low-grade, low-zero-risk sex work you're doing. Then it's also the issue of withholding information. It's the issue of lying and then it gets mixed up with – the feelings about the sex work gets mixed up with feelings about betrayal.
and not giving someone information that I think they might feel entitled to when they're making a decision about a long-term commitment. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Go to adamandeve.com and order almost any one item at 50% off. Choose a new adult toy, lube, or almost anything from over 18,000 adult products. Then at checkout, enter offer code SAVAGE, and you'll get to choose three free adult DVDs. That's right. You get to choose your own DVDs. Plus, receive a free mystery gift and free shipping on your entire order. Choose from all kinds of genres for both gay and straight folks. And now you can also shop on your mobile phone at Adam and Eve. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I am a 24-year-old lady. I am making my foray into the world of dating. I've never really dated before because relationships just sort of happened, you know, being in high school or college or whatever, surrounded by guys, it wasn't really that hard. But now I'm, you know, not in college and I don't really work with many women, so I've actually myself having to make an effort to uh, date or whatever. And the issue I'm running into is that I really like to have sex and I'm not the kind of girl that is going to play, you know, some game and say, oh, I'm not going to have feel this or whatever. I don't really care if I meet someone and I feel a connection with them. I don't feel like having sex on the first or second date is an issue, but I guess when I do that, I'm not, uh, I don't know, playing the dating game, right? Because I tend to not really hear back from these guys or the dynamic changes or whatever. So I know that's obvious, like people always say, oh, well, if you do that, or guys don't want to date the girl that puts out on the first date or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I just think it's kind of bullshit. Like I feel like I'm not being genuine or I'm lying or something. And I don't want to do that. Like if I want to have sex, is it so bad that I just want to have sex on the first date? Or do I really, you know, need to be playing this game of, oh, I'm not going to have sex with him right away, even though I feel like that would be the natural thing to do? Or do I just need to hold out and hopefully find a guy who is cool with that? So I guess I'm wondering what a slutty girl who kind of wants a relationship is to do. I would encourage you to do what you want to do and hold out for the guy who's not going to judge you or or dismiss you as a potential long-term prospect because you fucked him on the first night. Uh, Those guys have crazy-ass double standards. You know, a guy who says that he won't date a girl who uh, hooks up the first time you meet her on the first night or on the first date, what he's saying is that nobody should date him because a girl couldn't hook up with him on the first date if he didn't hook up with her. So he's the type who hooks up on the first date. So how come he's not disqualified from love and relationships? Oh, because he's the one with the penis because he's a stud, not a slut. You don't want to date a guy with that kind of attitude. Uh, you want to find a guy who appreciates the fact that you fucked the shit out of him on the first night. All that said... You know, it's possible that you could run across a guy who is lovable in so many ways and a decent, great guy who harbors this sexist double standard. And you could strategically decide not to fuck this guy on the first date because you'll potentially screw yourself out of a relationship with this guy who's got so much to offer, even if he does harbor this sexist double standard. And then when you get into a relationship with him, you know, you wait till the third or fourth date to fuck him and then you start dating, you can. Pick away at this sexist double standard. You can eventually, you know, reach into his circuit board and yank that shit out. 
much like the earlier caller who's doing sex work, uh, kind of low grade, safe, no risk sex work. Uh, her boyfriend may, you know, weigh what he knows about her and how he feels about her against whatever prejudices he may have in his heart about sex work and decide to let go of those prejudices. You could wind up dating someone who feels that way about first date hookups, uh, that girls who do that are not girls you date. Uh, you could wind up in a relationship with someone like that and eventually confront them on it and let them know that you used to hook up on the first date and here you two are in love. Uh, but only if you meet somebody that has so much to offer that you will make that your mission to date him and – eventually challenge him, you know, but that's the, everything I've just said is, you know, the second half of the advice I've given you is really from the men as fixer upper school of dating, which I'm kind of opposed to. Too many women look at men and think this is a fixer upper. I'm only adding that addendum because I didn't want to just do the easy thing and give you the right on sister advice. Sometimes people do date strategically. It doesn't always hurt to play the game or to play games a little bit. If he's got everything else that you want and he's a nice and decent guy and yet he has this sexist hang up, this prejudice, this double standard, you can make it your mission to get the boy and then eradicate the sexist double standards a little bit down the road. And that isn't betraying yourself in any way. That's just dating strategically and smartly. And you would only do that again if everything else that he, that he brought to the table was made him worth doing that work on him. Hi, Dan. My name is Rob. I committed an egregious error with my good friend's current ex-wife. It didn't go any farther than kissing. Um, however, he is a very fragile person, and I knew I knew did not know exactly how fragile he was, even though we are very good friends. Uh, until the backlash started, yes, uh, I was riddled with guilt. We were riddled with guilt. We decided that it would be the best thing to tell um, my friend her current ex-husband. Um, they did have a pseudo-sexual relationship. They have kids together. I, I don't want to ruin a friendship. He is a very good friend of mine. I don't have a whole lot of friends. Um, we have a very close circle of friends. Evidently, we weren't close enough that I you know, shouldn't have been screwing around with his ex-wife. And uh, I got to know how to get back into his good graces, uh, besides groveling and perhaps taking a beating, both of which I'm prepared to do. I don't understand the whole school of thought that exes are off limits. Uh, maybe that's because I'm from a sexual subculture where there's only a tiny percentage of the guys in any particular city who might be gay. And so telling people that who are your friends that they're not allowed to date somebody that you dated, even somebody that you were with for a very long time is not operative. You can't do that in gay land because there's just not a lot of options, not a lot of choices. And so everyone sort of agrees that you can't declare uh, – spare and no longer in your bed humans off limits in your social circle. But I understand it's different in straight land and straight people have more options and clearly it sounds like, you know, reading into some of the things you said, it sounds like your friend was still sexually involved with his ex-wife at the time that you made out with her. Uh, let me know if I got that wrong. What you didn't add is whether you knew that to be the case or not or whether you found that out after the makeout session with the ex-wife. All that said, I don't see what the fuck you can possibly do to make this better. Uh, it's kind of up to your friend whether he's going to forgive you or not. You can call him. You can apologize. But at a certain point, if he's going to be mad at you for the rest of his life because you kissed his ex-fucking-wife, that's his problem. 
and he's the one who's flushing the friendship down the toilet over what I'm not exactly sure, but that's his choice. All you can do is make sure that he knows that you feel terrible, that you value his friendship, and that you feel like it was a big mistake. And if you had it to do over again, you wouldn't put your tongue in his ex-wife's mouth or any of her other orifices. And then the ball's in his court. If he values your friendship more than his anger, eventually his anger will wane and the friendship will revive. If he is so in love with his anger that he can't let it go, then this friendship is uh, over. Doomed, sealed with a kiss. Hi, Dan. I'm a 20-year-old man uh, living in a semi-rural college town. Um, and uh, my question is about getting over someone. Um, I uh, fell pretty hard for a very close friend of mine after we went through a lot together. But in the end, she ended up not reciprocating my feelings. Um this really tore me up for a couple of months. I was deeply depressed. I began like thinking that something's wrong with me or whatever. And um, that's not a healthy way to go through college. Um, since then, I have gotten a bit better. I feel better about myself, but I still find myself uh, wishing for what isn't to be, I suppose. Recently, I discovered that this friend of mine um, has started seeing somebody else, and um, that's fine. I don't, I don't want her to be single. I, I want her to be happy. But um, I don't know. Sometimes when it's brought to my attention, or I guess rubbed in my face, I uh, feel jealousy or whatever. And um, I'm just, I just want to be able to move on. Um, and what I'm wondering is, should I want to meet this new boyfriend? Would that help me get past this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much there, but I find it very hard at times to just move on. Meet the guy, cauterize the wound, acid bath, freezing cold, whatever. Just go fucking meet the dude and have your nose rubbed in the fact that it is not going to happen. It is never going to happen. She's not into you. She's not attracted to you. She's into other guys. Here's another guy she's into, not you. And move the fuck on already. Yes, it'll hurt. It hurts. Things hurt. Life hurts. Love hurts. Rejection hurts. And the lesson to learn from this is not to become overly invested in someone emotionally uh, before you ask if they might be interested in you. Uh, you don't fall for people and then sort of stand there wringing your hands for however long it takes before you blurt that fact out. Uh, if you begin to have feelings for someone, ask them out, ask them on a date, uh, confess early, confess often so that if they are absolutely not interested in you, they can communicate that to you before you are too wrapped up in them emotionally, too invested in them, too much in love with them. Because then it'll only hurt a little. It won't hurt this much. But now, you know, my advice to you would be this girl that you fell for who's not interested in you, she has a boyfriend. It might help to actually go meet that boyfriend. It'll suck. It'll hurt. Might help. And you need help. So go meet that boyfriend. Yeah. I'm a 55-year-old gay male. Quickly, I uh, met up with a guy on Grinder. He came to my house. Uh, I <clears throat> did oral sex on him. Uh, as he left, he told me that he wasn't 19, as he said on Grinder. He is 16 and underage. 
he asked for money. I gave him $20. He went away. He came back unannounced at my house two weeks later, asked for more money. I went to the bank and gave him $100, and that's been over three weeks ago, and I told him to leave me alone or I'm going to turn him in for blackmail. I haven't heard from him since. So my concern is, what do I do now? Do I just forget? I have not reported him to Grinder because I want to keep the message on Grinder, showing that he said he was 19, but tells me as he leaves the door he's only 16. In the meantime, he has turned to 17. Thanks. If you're on Grinder on your iPhone, you can actually take a screenshot of his Grinder profile where he says he's 19. I would encourage you to do that. You need to document the fact that he's lying. Um, so get a screenshot. Uh, you might want to create a new Grinder profile and have a conversation with him and take screenshots of those conversations with him or have a friend do it where he says he's 19. Um, and just have some things printed out and on file in case he does attempt to go to the police himself. Uh, he probably won't. It sounds like you're rid of him. Uh, but in case he does, you'll want that evidence on file that he's the one out there lying uh, and then blackmailing guys. There's not much more that you can do besides document the fact that he's misrepresenting himself on Grinder. should he go to the police. Uh, you can also, however, uh, take some proactive steps the next time you invite someone over who is 25, 30-ish years your junior, you can ask for ID before you blow them just to protect yourself, just so you don't get into this situation again. You can also, on Grinder. Search out more age-appropriate sex partners, if I may say so. And I may. It's my show. And I would encourage you to tell Grinder. I'm not going to tell you to go to the police, particularly in the small and rather intolerant state where you live uh, because you don't know how the police will react. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you to go to the police and report the kid to the police. I do think, though, that you should uh, report this person to Grinder and what he did. It's also a violation of Grinder's terms of services for someone under the age of 18 uh, to use their program at all, to use the app. So I would, if I were you, report him anonymously to Grindr. You can go to grindr.com and you can make an anonymous report. But don't go to the police. Don't go to the police. Not in the state where you live. Go to Grindr and uh, lay in some documentation that he's out there lying to people to protect yourself should he decide to go to the police. And err on the side in future of blowing guys who are a little closer to your own age. Hey, Dan, this is Mike. Uh, I'm a gay male, 40 years old, dating a 20-year-old um, who grew up friends with my two children from a previous marriage. Uh, my dad has an issue with me dating his 20-year-old because they were friends with my kids. There was nothing between us uh, till he was... Uh, it was about six months after his uh, 18th birthday, um, so he was of legal age before anything between us ever happened. So my issue comes, basically, my dad called me a pedophile, um, and I'm trying to gain acceptance of our relationship. Um, we've been together for two and a half years. Uh, we really, really love each other, and we're not going anywhere, so... I mean, his parents are completely fine with it. You know, they say if we're happy, then so be it. Uh, my mother kind of feels the same way. She doesn't like it, but she says that you can't help who you love. And, you know, if that's who I love and he treats me good, then then I have her blessing. Just trying to get my dad on board. Uh, we, or we can go to his family functions uh, as a couple. 
but uh, he's not even allowed over to my parents' house, and that's that kind of messed up. Uh, how do I keep him and keep my dad? Pedophiles are attracted to prepubescent children. You are not a pedophile. What you are is Woody Allen. Woody Allen famously said when he married his wife's adopted daughter, Sunyi Priven, who he had known since she was a very small child and had sort of been in a father figure position over for many years, uh, that the heart wants what the heart wants. And your heart wants this boy. Uh, Woody Allen paid a price. Uh, you know, Mia Farrow and half of the other children, I think one of his own children, won't have anything to do with him anymore because of this relationship. Uh, that seems to have legs. Uh, Woody and Sun Yi have been together for a long time. Um, but they paid a price. And you and your boyfriend are perhaps going to pay a price uh, while you're together, which is your father's disapproval. And there is something a little creepy about a 40-year-old man dating someone that his children grew up with. And what people are going to read into that, even if it's completely not true, is that you somehow identified him as at age five or six as the boy you were going to be fucking when he was 18. And that's highly unlikely. Um, it just so happens that he was very close and integrated in your family. And when he was 18, you guys fell in love. That is going to forever squick some people out. In all honesty, as a parent, it kind of squicks me out a little bit too. Uh, but you know, the course of true love never did run smooth or something like that that Shakespeare said. If he's worth it, do it. You know, if he's worth the, the angst and the anguish uh, of it upsetting your relationship with your dad, then stay in this relationship. If it's not worth it, then, you know, what your dad's trying to do is get you to end the relationship by retaliating, by having this tantrum. You can go to your dad and say, I'm not a pedophile. He's of age. Sorry you don't like it. Suck it up. But your dad can say, my house, don't want him here, suck it up, right back at you. And then it's an impasse and there's really nothing you can do about it to force the issue. You can stand your ground. You can refuse to go over to see your father. You can refuse to attend any of your family functions if you can't attend as a couple. Uh, that's all within your rights. It's also within your parents' rights, unfortunately, to bar your boyfriend from their house because they disapprove. And I got no magic words for you. I have no magic words that will make this all better. The only thing that sometimes – resolves a situation like this, if not fix it, is the passage of time. If you two really are soulmates, if you're destined to be together and you're together now when you're 40 and 20 and let's say you're together in 20 years when you're 60 and he's 40, your family may break down and realize that there was something there. It was more than just a 40-year-old gay guy wanting to get into a teenage boy's pants, uh, that there was real and lasting love and something of value. And if through the passage of time, that gets through the heads, that there's something of value, uh, that it wasn't just lust. Uh, not that I don't think there's value in lust or in short-term relationships. I certainly do, but a more traditional-minded family might think differently. Maybe you'll win them around, but that's going to be a multi-decade siege. Good luck. Hi, Dan. This is a bisexual responding to 288 episode. I think the uh, advice from your co-pilot um, was a little incorrect. First off, uh, I want to say to the lesbian who complained that she always got left for guys, uh, that happened to me a lot in my youth, too. And a lot of times that resulted from the fact that I was dating lesbians who were trying to be butch and act all butch on the streets and then ended up 
quite femme in the sheets. And not only that, but when they did try to strap it on, they couldn't really fuck as well as a guy could. And so a lot of times, yeah, I wanted some good dickin'. But right now, I am monogamously married to a woman. I have been for six years. And she actually knows how to fuck properly. And so I think that a lot of lesbians might do well to really... Uh, learn how to use a strap-on or learn how to use a dick properly and know that their bisexual girlfriends who do enjoy penetration are wanting more than just a woman who acts like a man, but are wanting a woman who can be genuinely secure with both her masculinity and femininity. Hey, Dan, I was calling in response to a caller on uh, number 289 who wanted to know if she should come clean to her new friend because she had made out with this friend's boyfriend when they were together. And you gave her the advice that don't say anything, what's the point? And you're right about that. But I realized that when she said the friend said to her that she values, above all in friends, a woman who's honest and doesn't screw around with her friend's guys, that woman knows. So the caller should proceed with caution. Thanks. Hi, Dan. I'm just calling with a comment after podcast number 289 for the parents of the child who liked to play with dolls and had his sisters bully him. I was a bullied child. Um, I was frequently locked in with my closest bullier, which is my older sister. And I would say, send that child to a gender queer camp um, if the child is old enough and wants to go so that he can be with peers and be fabulous and know that there are people outside of his family who are super, super into it and then he can be celebrated for the fabulous unicorn shining star that he is that will save the rest of us. Thank you so much for the show. Bye. Hey, I'm calling in response to episode 289. I just have to ask, is anyone else freaked out that pilots are getting roadheads? That was news to me, and I'm a little weirded out by it. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a call or a question for a future show, give us a buzz, 206-201-2720. If there's something you just got to say about today's podcast, you can go to thestranger.com slash lovecast, and there's a comment thread attached on each and every show. Follow me on Twitter, at fake. Dan Savage. Please watch Savage You on MTV on Tuesday nights at 11 p.m., 10 p.m. Central. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Mm-hmm.